The following podcast series was recorded between January and December of 2015. Originally hosted on the Horophilia Podcast Network, it has now transitioned to the Podcast Under the Stairs Collective. Myself and Andy Blockley would like to extend our gratitude once again to Jason Lloyd at the Horophilia Podcast Network for giving this podcast an opportunity to stay on that network for a couple of years and accumulate hundreds of downloads and great communication with legions of fans. The next instalment of the Doing the Nasty podcast looking at the DPP third tier movie list will start January 2020. Duncan McLeish will be joined by Mark Ball who will be replacing Andy Blockley on this podcast and will release one episode each month covering two films from the Tier 3 DPP video nasty list. But until that season drops, please enjoy these archives. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. And welcome to Doing the Nasty Podcast, episode number three. I am one of your hosts, Duncan McLeish, from the podcast Under the Stairs, and joining me as always, my co-host with the most, it's Mr. Andy Blockley from the Big Horror and Little Podcast. How are you doing, sir? How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. Episode number three? How did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> uh, how you been keeping? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks, actually, mate. Yeah, just uh, counting down to my holiday. Oh, where are you going? Uh, Lanzarote. Uh, for our American listeners who won't know where that is, where is Lanzarote? Uh, you just you come out of Brit England and you just go down. It's the same time zone. It's uh, Spanish speaking. Warm weather. Tiny island. About yeah, in the sort of twenties, twenty five degrees, which for this time of year is pretty awesome because it's like zero at the minute over yeah. here, isn't it, in Britain? So yeah, we had uh, minus five this morning. Ooh. Which you would think actually sounds all that bad, but I was chatting to uh, a friend of mine um, who used to do a podcast with me today, I was, I was Skyping with him, and he was telling me that the coldest they've had it in Toronto this year so far is minus 22. Holy shit. Do you reckon it, <laughs> do you reckon it gets to a point, though, where, like, unless there's wind chill, because obviously the wind makes a massive difference, but do you think there's much difference between, like, minus 5 and minus 20? Um, so it gets fucking cold, it's just... <laughs> You just stop feeling your face and... You end up looking like Jack Nicholson at the end of The Shining. Yeah, I've never (laughs) experienced anything less than about minus three, I don't think, so I'm not really sure. Oh, fuck, you're not not living, dude. Up here, when it gets cold, it gets cold. I love it. I've got Viking blood in me. I'm descended from Vikings, so... um, Do you know what? I don't mind it being cold. It's rain that pisses me off. Yeah. Cold, I can handle. I just put a scarf on and some gloves, you know. It's not (laughs) not the end of the world, is it? Yeah, of course not. Of course not. However... Andy, this is doing the nasty. It's not the weather report. True. Um, and you're making us all jealous because you're going yeah. away on a nice sunny holiday. Aye. And some of us are, are left here to edit podcasts. 
<laughs> not, not that I'm holding this over here. Uh, so, um, yeah, so I think uh, what we were saying off here is that um, obviously during the shows we're going to tackle different things to do with what happened during um, the video nasties. Um, yeah. And one of the things we touched on in the first episode was a peculiar case that, that kind of surfaced in the UK, kind of after the main scare of the nasties, you know, like obviously the, the main kind of crux of the, the, the nasty scenario and the, uh, the full-on list and all the rest happened primarily in the 80s. However, the effects continued on in the 90s. And we mentioned something specifically about Child's Play 3 mm. and the Jamie Bulger case. Um, yeah. I think, did you not say that you've been doing uh, uh, some uh, digging and delving? Well, Did- I looked on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I mean, it must that's be good true. enough. Yeah. Basically, right, I was actually going to come on um, and kind of tell people about this James Bulger thing. I'm going to touch on it, but to be honest, and I, I'm not genuinely not saying this to be like sensationalist, it's, I didn't want to read it out on air. Uh-huh. It's, it's too fucking, it's too much for yeah. what they did to that kid. Uh, a brief outline is, in 1993, two 10-year-old kids basically abducted uh, a two-year-old from a shopping centre. His mum was distracted um, and they led him off. Um, people, the kid was crying and everything, and people were confronting these the two little kids, but they were so fucking devious, they just said, yeah, he's our little brother, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're taking him home and whatever. Um, and then they kind of, I mean, they tried to push him in front of a car, uh, that didn't work, um, and then they like led him up to like a train line, and they basically stripped him from the waist down, like molested him, beat him to death, and left him on a train line. Um, which is obviously fucking brutal. I mean, these were two 10-year-old kids. And in Britain at the time, nobody knew what to do with this information. It was like it was an overload. No one could get their head around the fact that two 10-year-olds could do such a horrendous thing to a two-year-old kid. So they trudged up the Video Nasties thing and basically said it's the Video Nasties' fault um, and they were looking for a scapegoat. You know, it was all in the news. The um, politicians, they just could not conceive how two 10-year-olds could do this. So they blamed the video nasties. And that kind of pulled it all back up again. Because mm-hmm. the video nasties thing hadn't really been talked about for probably a good seven or eight years, I don't think. Um, so they decided that it was Child's Play 3. And I know we talked about this in episode one, that these two kids had watched um, and decided that that was the reason that they'd done that to this kid. Um, apparently... Because I said it was something about the train line um, and something to do with it being a roller coaster in Child's Play 3. Apparently, it's because one of the things they did to this kid was put paint in his face. And in Child's Play 3, Chucky gets some blue paint splashed on him when they're doing the um, paintball game. Ah, fuck. That's the connection. Which is fucking insane, right? Apparently, they, they went through 200 films that had been rented by the main kid who was the main instigator, his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, they looked into 200 films. Child's Play 3 was one of them. Um, now, the guy kind of in charge, the chief inspector in charge at Merseyside Police, just said, look, if you're going to blame a film, you might as well blame the railway children. Like that, It's fuck all to do with any film that they've watched. Apparently, mm-hmm. they kind of trawled through the 200 films that this family had been recorded at their local video shop of getting out. And the guy said, look, there was some you'd want to watch, there was some you probably wouldn't want to see, um, but there was nothing, no plot, no dialogue, there was no scene in the film that you could pinpoint and made these kids do this horrendous act. But this obviously dredged it all up again, um, and Child's Playthrough was the main thing, and it turned out, I think I said this in episode one, they hadn't even watched Child's Playthrough. Yeah. 
they're just looking for this, you know, just a scapegoat. Um, yeah, but it's fucking horrendous. Um, these kids, I mean, what do you think about rehabilitation? That's what I wanted to ask you. Like, do you think kids that have done something like that can be rehabilitated? Because I know one of them has gone on to do serious sex offences and he's back in prison, isn't he? But one of them's out. Yeah. Just leading a normal life with a new identity. I think I, I mean I, I don't have and this is this is a very very serious topic for for a podcast that's dealing with very silly films but I think it highlights kind of or underlines or puts an exclamation mark behind how serious this issue was just in general mm. about you know the 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 premise that people can play you know put blame squarely on the fact of of art um, as something that could influence people to to commit crimes and or murder. Um, I think, I mean, I, the, the kids themselves, like they were the, the, the actual perpetrators of the, the the crimes were what they were like ten and eleven, weren't they? Yeah. So kind of. Yeah, yeah. Now at that age, you you have a, a a rough grasp of what is right and wrong, but you're not. I mean, you're not fully formed in any way. No. Yeah, I mean that. I don't know how much of what they did actually. It's like it's like you hear these stories in America of a five year old bringing a gun to school. Yeah. Now they don't understand the gravity of that. No. You know, it's it's not there, and I'm not saying that someone at ten and eleven don't understand the gravity of the the actual the actual horrific levels of what they did. Um, I'm I'm a firm believer that you know that people should, where possible, be given a second chance. However, I mean, what happened was they were put in, uh, you know, they were locked away with other people that were criminals. Yeah. Um, One of them's come out and, like you said, has went on to become a sex offender, Mm. which doesn't surprise me, coming from a criminal system, which basically crams, you know... There'll be... It won't be all kids his age he went in with. There'll be older kids, and God knows what happened... Yeah. in there with him and I wouldn't want to know it and to be honest with you the crimes that they committed I you know I, I don't I don't feel sorry for him um that no. he was put in that situation anyway. Uh I would like to think that everyone's capable of change. Um that's just a part of me that has a bit of compassion. That I would like to think that, you know at, at that age that you know, the grown up, that the, the the gravity of what they've done is settled with them, and they they have to live with that the rest of their lives. And I would like to think that you know, even if it would, they were in seclusion, they they could change. Um, I just don't think I don't think the justice system set up in such a way to allow that. I've all, I've, I've kind of always been a kind of firm firm believer that you know. And, and the British justice system, not that bad, actually, overall. I think sometimes mm. it can be a bit light on sentences, but yeah. I d- not necessarily all that bad. Um, I just think that these situations are so extreme and so far removed from the norm um, that we don't have anything in place to deal with kids at 10 years old who have committed murder. Because no, there's, they're just playing the film because they're literally there was no there was no one could work out what to do because exactly. they baffled the country really. Yeah, I mean it was I shocked. I mean you, you've got you've got to remember at this time this is this is um, back then these things didn't fucking happen in this country. No. Kids no. did not murder kids. 
in the UK in the 90s. It just didn't fucking happen. Right. Um, so with such an extreme scenario breaks out, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, you would look to... Like, it was like the whole Columbine thing. Look at Columbine as an example. Um, and, you know, it must be Marilyn Manson because the kids listen to Marilyn Manson. I know, yeah. Um, that's, that's, you know, that's why they went and, and shot up a school. And it's, it's like... That's not what I, I've always said. You can trace it all back to parenting. What mm. what, what was the the home life like? You know how much time were their parents around? Yeah, I dread them? to think what their home life was like. To be honest, for them, yeah. like they're probably just a product of horrendous upbringing. I mean, that was one of the reasons that um, there's a, a a great British film. It's a horrible British film, but a great British film called Eden Lake. Mm. Um, and Eden Lake kind of covers that because like yeah. you see these horrible actions of these kids um, throughout the movie, and you're just like, how how can these kids be like that? And then you get a couple of snapshots of what life is like at home, yeah. and then it just totally makes sense. It That's totally the film I can't watch again. That I, I've I've seen it a couple of times, and uh, every time I see very much like Cannibal Holocaust, Andy. Every time I see that you would have to hold a gun against my head to make me watch it again, something else crops up and I have to watch Episode it. Episode four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we'll touch on that quickly before we do our first review. Um, yeah. The next episode of this show uh, will pr- will probably and most likely run a bit longer. Um, now the reason it will run a bit longer most of the episodes have been about an hour and a half I quite like that I, I, I quite like the fact that you can get through the episodes here, the, the bits and bobs that we have to say um, yeah. and then we're not we're not spending too much time we're not critically analysing these films with a microscope because some of them you just can't do it you just, there's, there's nothing in them um, right. episode Case four, in point <laughs> yeah tonight, oh, the, tonight yeah, the, the first movie we're going to talk about tonight is the epitome of everything that I just said um, but episode 4 is uh, has what I would class as the first heavy hitter of yeah, this Yeah, these list. first three episodes have been warm-ups for yeah. number 4 already. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at number 4 we're going to be dealing with Cannibal Apocalypse, we're going to yeah. be dealing with Cannibal Ferox and, like I say, the first heavy hitter on the list, which is Cannibal Holocaust. So um, it's a movie that I have seen exactly two times in my life. Me too. Um, And number three, I'm not looking forward to it. I I understand its importance. I understand the film on some level needed to be made. I I doesn't mean for one second I condone what happens in the movie. So, um, But... We can flip this on the other side. Let's talk about Andy, a movie which I can I, I think I posted on the page saying that nothing, nothing can prepare you for how fucking awful this movie is. Oh, oh I thought, so I thought Blood bad. Feast was bad. Yeah, this this makes Blood Feast look like, like the Godfather. Yeah. It really, really does. So we're gonna take a short break. You're gonna hear some promos for shows on the network. When we return, we're going to be talking about our first movie from 1968 in the UK and on the nasties list it was called Blood Rites, um, however it is more commonly known as the Ghastly Ones. Just before you go, uh-huh. just apologise to the listeners for getting a bit dark there in the intro. <laughs> we'll be back to our light-hearted selves just after the break. My name is X. And I'm Cootie. Please consider us your high priest and priestess of satanic cinema. Join us on our podcast, Kiss the Goat, which will drag your soul through some of the finest and worst devil movies of the last 50 years. Devils and demons, exorcisms and possessions, 
cults and rituals, dogs and cats living together. Is that a devil movie? Maybe. Sort of. I don't know, babe. We'll talk about it later. Join us on the Horrorphilia Podcast Network every other week as we don our hoods and cloaks and kiss, kiss the, the goats. It's a hell of a good time. I knew you were going to say that. Of course you did. It's in the script. A gruesome orgy of human mutilation. That's what Blood Rites was hyped as on the cover, although it's actually Andy Milligan's 1968 clunker, The Ghastly Ones, retitled. But this is quite unique um, in Video Nasty Land because this is the very first video to feature a reversible cover. On one side, you get the artwork, and if you take it out and reverse it, you actually get the photographic sign. Or, far more interesting, anything that's actually on show in the movie, which is just full of amateurish acting, terrible special effects. You can actually hear Milligan prompt the actors uh, when they forget their lines. Into this house came the monsters of slaughter. With some of the most hideous tortures and heinous crimes ever shown on the motion picture screen. by the sadism of man, any man, or John, who learns the terror of the ultimate torture, but never lives to tell about it, the ghastly one. What is it? Not for the squeamish, but an experience so sensually exciting that it will be the stomach shocker of your life. And welcome back. So, up first. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, So, up first is, uh, like I just said, just before the break, um, is a movie from 1968. On the video nasties list, it was called Blood Rights, which I reckon is maybe one of the reasons Mm. um, why it probably ended up on the list um but the 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 movie it was more commonly known in the states and elsewhere as the ghastly ones so was ghastly yeah it was directed by andy milligan who um did a lot of work actually he's uh, one of these once again very much like our our, our man from uh, the last episode uh, who did blood feast um, one of these guys that just churned out exploitation film after exploitation film after exploitation film. Yeah. Uh, and much like Blood Rights, this is short as well. This one clocked in about the 80 minute mark. Yeah. Um, so not overly wrong. Long. Uh, I was about to say <coughs> not overly wrong. It is overly wrong. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, this movie I, I had seen before. 
um, believe it or not, right. um, a long time ago. And I was getting this one confused with another one, which is actually on the list, which I'll, I'll, I'll talk about later on. Okay. But um, I, I kind of got this muddled up with another one, but I had already seen it. So when I sat down to watch this and got maybe about five minutes into it, it all came flooding back you to me. Like a, yeah, like a, a tsunami of regret, yeah. which hit me straight in the face. Um, this movie, right, the, the very loose plot synopsis as listed on IMDb says three married couples are forced to spend the night in a Victorian era house where they start getting killed off by a deranged psycho who's bent on claiming an inheritance that they're entitled to which I mean on some level kinda describes the movie but it's kinda given the movie quite a bit more credit than it actually it deserves. It sounds good. It sounds alright. I mean, it seems it's... like a whodunit, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it seems almost like a Scooby-Doo mystery and I'm kinda, on part, part of me is like that I, you know, if that synopsis was read out to me I'd be inclined to say oh that one, I'll add that to the list to check out. Yeah. In reality what we have is an incredibly poorly shot movie and I can't stress this enough even for 1960 when you compare this to something like Peeping Tom yeah. from from uh, 60 1960 when you compare these two movies together one of them is uh, you know completely awful and the other one is what can only be described as a cinematic masterpiece and the ghastly ones is not the latter um, it's just it's shot horribly the acting is terrible um the premise for the movie once you because it's saying three married couples are forced to spend the night in a victorian era house which is true on some level mm. but because this is an exploitation movie you find that that what basically happened is um the father has died in his will he basically says that um he had three daughters but his wife didn't like to put out out with you know having or making babies basically yeah. uh, so the one at like bunnies um and as a result he wants the three married couples to stay in the house and shag loads um, which they did <laughs> which they do for for three days and at the end of that um they will be entitled to this inheritance um <laughs> unless some of them decide they don't want to have sex in which case the oldest daughter will be the one who inherits all the money and she can split it however she wants beyond that point and it's it's well one the the, the kind of sexual taboo of a father basically saying i want my three daughters to shag loads in my house after i'm dead you know who's keeping an eye on this anyway who's who's like (laughs) monitoring whether they're out whether they're shagging or not yeah, I, I don't know if there's like a used condom count at the end. <laughs> uh, you know, like oh, he's used three. Well done. Um, it's just, it's just a fucking bizarre premise for a movie. Um, yeah. I like a real, I, just like not even just like, not even just like something quite silly. It's it's kind of beyond silly. It just doesn't compute. I don't, I don't see any scenario where this thing would ever happen. I can only imagine that, and I haven't done much research on the director out with the fact that I know. You know, he's uh, he obviously did quite a lot of kind of exploitation and. I think this cinema. is his first film as well, isn't it? I would be surprised if he's not read 120 Days of Sodom <laughs> um, by Desad because there's a there's there's that kind of feel of being in a house and being required to do depraved acts in mm. order to inherit something. I'd, I'd, 
And then, of course, we throw into this uh, mix that there is almost a kind of, and I love using this word because it gets mentioned all the time on our shows, a Jallo-esque killer who is wearing a kind of costume, a very theatrical kind of costume, who is picking off them individually. And the ultimate twist of this movie turns out that this crazy woman and her hunched back son, who... She loves to whip. She's whipping him 24-7, isn't she? She she is whipping him and flicking the bean. Um, (laughs) And we we find out that at the end that they've been doing the killings. And the reason they've been doing the killings is because she is the illegitimate daughter, the eldest daughter of this guy. And she wants to claim the inheritance. Yeah. Which... Once again, don't know how that's possible. Everyone that was in that house is now dead. You're the only one that survived. The police arrive, find out that you've got the perfect motive for the murder, you're going to jail. Yeah, good luck. Oh, well, it's yeah. a shit well, scheme. It's, it's just, it's, it's a shit story. It's a shit story. Yeah. It's a shit story with no thought behind it at all. Um, the gore effects are awful. Um, like I say, the acting is awful. The shots uh, and the editing, awful. Um... It's, it's a fucking horrible movie. It really, really is. I, I mean, I could almost guarantee I could give my iPhone to my nine-year-old nephew and tell him to go and film himself for a day and it would have more cinematic worth than this movie. Yeah. Um, what, what, did you, what did you think of it, Andy? Uh, I think you've about some built, mate, to be honest. It's one of the, I think I messaged you, this is the first one that we've watched that's legitimately made me angry because I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed <laughs> that I'm having to sit and watch this. If I wasn't watching it for a podcast, I would have turned it off. Um, probably after about 20 minutes. The only thing, like the opening murder for me, I thought was pretty good. It, because the picture's so grainy, it looked uh-huh. a bit um, like, you know, it looked a bit realistic sort of thing, a bit of like a snuff kind of thing, just because it was really grainy. He's really kind of hacking away at her. And I think because the picture quality is so bad, that almost added to the realism because you, you're trying to get a look at what's going on and, you're almost like, oh, well, I want to see what he's doing sort of thing. Um, and I thought, oh, this might have a bit of promise. It might be a bit gritty, a bit kind of grimy. And that's kind of it. That first kill kind of entices you in. And then, like you say, you just get introduced to these like, horrible characters who can't really act, and it's shot badly, and the dialogue's awful, and the interactions between them is terrible, and there's just nothing else that wants to keep you watching this film. Yeah. Um, I mean, made in 1968, added to the list um, in 84. I think it was out for about 18 months. Never been removed from the list. And again, I think it's not because it's horrendous. It's similar reasons to probably Blood Feast that it's not been removed from the list because nobody fucking wants to watch it. There's no demand for this. You know, who wants, you know, go, oh, I'll get that on Blu ray. There's no, there is no demand for it. And yeah, it's just a fucking terrible film. I don't really know why it's on the list. Probably because of the name, um, mm-hmm. Blood Rights. Uh, I mean, I don't know where they. Tr- like, I find it odd that films that are made kind of fifteen years earlier, where who like who's finding them? I don't know where they're actually find like finding these films to put them on the list. Yeah, because they're not available anywhere. Um, I mean, it's released on video, but I don't know. I mean, this uh, when was the list actually originated? Was it in eighty four? Um, it was, I think it was compiled between 83 and 84 right because I don't even know if people are releasing these films specifically hoping they'll get on the list for a bit of notoriety you, yeah you've got to think on some level I, I, I don't know if necessarily it's, it's even that I, I think when when uh, I think when distributors started finding out that there was a market for 
for kind of schlocky movies that they could just get cheaply, I think they were just buying any old shit. Yeah. And I think this probably didn't cost that much for a distributor, like a guy who was basically running his distribution company from his house, no. to, to get the rights to. I don't think it would have cost him anything. And um, did we did we talk about this last week? How people will re-release the same film under a different name yeah. to kind of, yeah, basically yeah. to con people into going to the cinema or renting it again because I think it's something new. Yeah, it was basically it was a it was a, a thing that they did quite regularly. Like people like um, Roger Corman um, or Larry Cohen, another great example. Troma as well. You know the, these sort of organisations. If the movie went out to the the drive-throughs and wasn't an instant financial success or didn't really do the business they were hoping, they would maybe take it back. They would maybe recut it slightly maybe film an extra scene and put it in you know small extra scene that they would put in and then re-release it under a completely different name yeah. on the the premise that they thought it would get you know more attraction and this could happen two or three times before the movie finally got its you know got a bit of traction or, or made money back um, so it's, it's just weird I mean this one to me is such an obvious obviously bad movie that I don't understand why I even made the list. That sequence you're talking about at the, the beginning, to me, is so out of place from the rest of the movie mm-hmm. that I can I can only assume that um, that maybe what might have happened is that was filmed after and they've shoved it in to, to maybe beef out the movie or to try and give it a wee bit extra gore or something because it doesn't fit in with the story at all. Yeah. So it's really, really weird. Um, in terms of grading this one, I would say that this one is community service mm. all the way. Um, I, I can't see you disagreeing with that, Andy. No, I mean, there's, there is stuff in there. Like I say, the, the, the opening murder is quite brutal, hacking away. Um, there's a lot of nudity and someone does someone get a bit rapey at some point? I'm sure they do. Yeah, they, they they get a wee bit of the, the, the they try and get a wee bit of the rape on. Yeah, um, you've got that. You've got him kind of eating a, a rabbit, and they obviously killed that rabbit. I don't think do you know to I me. Mean? I don't know how they killed it, but yeah, there's a, there's an animal, and he kind of it looks like he's breaking its neck. I don't think they should kind of show that, do they? They just cut away. The, yeah, the, the, I, I, this is one of the facts that I did read. Basically, as a live rabbit, he picks up, and then as a dead rabbit after. I'm not saying it's the same rabbit, and I don't even know if they. You know, killed the rabbit um, or not? It's so obviously you can see the cut in the film. Yeah. Of so obviously, one minute he's kind of in one position, then in, like less than a second later, he's in a completely different position with a dead rabbit, which um, I'm led to believe he actually the actor did bite into. He it did. Was a dead ra- Cause that, dead yeah, that did look pretty realistic, actually. Yeah, I was wondering. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah. So a bit of community service, just because some of the content. Is, and like you say, it's just pure exploitation. It's just an excuse to show some sex and to show some, some gore. Uh-huh. That's it, isn't it? There's no real coherent plot. It's just a guy who's obviously got a bit of a thing, like you say, just churning out films just because he knows they're going to shock people. And in 1967, this probably would have shocked quite a few people. Probably. I, I mean, I th- I'm kind of thinking, but... I would I? I don't I don't know because I mean by then the, the whole splatter thing that had started with Blood Feast was in full effect. It's by true, actually, that was early, wasn't it? So yeah. Yeah. So I don't I don't know how much. I don't know how much this is. I, I think this this movie was probably made for a, like the incredibly too stringiest of budgets, mm. um, and put out. And the guy was probably already working on his next project. I don't think this. I think this one was probably 
I used to some sort of trial run for later releases. Well, you know what I mean? here's a bit of trivia for you that you may or may not already know. In 1978, Andy Milligan remade this movie under Legacy of Blood. I did not know that, and part of me is quite tempted to check it out. <laughs> it's almost like he knew he fucked up with this one, so he gave it another go 15 years later. I'm kind of... See, part of me wants to check it out just to see if he changed anything. Yeah, sorry, not 15, 11 years later. But yeah, I'm, um, I'd be keen just to see. I mean, if it's on YouTube, I might just kind of flick through it. Um, just because I'd be interested, you know, did he rectify his mistake or did he just churn out another piece of shit and call it something else? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I, it's inclusion on the list, I see, and no. What about yourself? No, it shouldn't be on there. We didn't put Blood Feast on. We can't put this one on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Like, um, It's unusual for a director to remake his own film. <laughs> yeah, there's not many. I mean, the, the only one that springs to mind recently is um, Lucky McKee and All Cheerleaders Die, which okay. is a, a remake of a, a college movie he did. Right. Uh, directors tend not to do that. Um, do you remember the film Scum? Yes. There's two versions of that, you know. Did not know that. It's, uh, yeah, I've got both of them. You get on the, like, the steel tin. I've got uh-huh. two quid off Amazon. They they shot the movie um, and then they remade it for the BBC. But ironically, like they remade it and it was a lot more violent, a lot worse than the original one. Um, and it's strange because, you know, Pongo, kind of the bully that he beats up to, like he has to kick him in and then he goes right oh, I'm the daddy now of this wing do you remember like the yeah. tall beats up in the toilet well he's in the first version of the movie but about three or four stone heavier <laughs> so he's just gone on a diet but it's the same guy but he's nowhere near as imposing is he in the in the telly in the one we know about because he's quite a skinny guy whereas in the original ver- version and it's really weird because the script is the same in the scenes that are identical the script's the same it's really bizarre because all the actors are pretty much the same, the script is the same, the film pretty much flows the same. Um, the only difference is that Carlin is gay in it, and he's got a boyfriend in there. Mm-hmm. He basically picks a guy that you're going to be my missus while I'm in it, but I'm not gay, but you're going to be my missus. Um, there's that scene in, and then I think one of the suicides is not in there. Um, I don't think the rape's in there. So yeah, it's weird. It's, it's worth weird. watching. It's the kind of thing you won't watch it again because I think the version that everyone knows about is the better version of the film. Like the yeah. delivery of the lines is better because it was a it was a play, wasn't it? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And I just think two years later, after they filmed the first one, everyone was just so much more into the swing of it because they've been doing the play version of it. That everyone's like the delivery of the lines, especially of Ray Winston, is just far better. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to watch two films identical, shot two years apart. Really strange. Yeah, now now part of me really wants to check this remake. I'll send, uh, I'll send you um I'll send you the scum thing if you fancy if you're up for watching that. Oh yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, definitely I'll send through the post. But yeah, that Legacy of Blood. I think I will check it out just out of pure curiosity now. Yeah, at least at least you know if you get ten minutes into it and it's shit, then you don't need to watch the rest of no. it. No, <laughs> that's that's the beauty. So that's our first review done. We're going to take another short break. There's going to be another promo and uh, wise words which Andy has compiled about our next movie review, which is 1981's Bloody Moon. Yeah, um, yeah, and we're going to be right back after this. Nano is a promo. Take one. Hey guys, it's Wazel and Z here. Yeah, we're just uh, kicking back in the laser lounge right now, taking a break from uh, what we normally do to tell you all about our show, Banana Laser. Uh, we're just here for sick fucks like ourselves that love horror movie and just, yeah. Fuck! 
the Banana Laser podcast. It's uh, every. T- <laughs> and um you know it's for sick fucks like ourselves (laughs) so if you like salty commentary (laughs) and skewed views foul mouth skewed views and look uh, we're terrible at this i fucked up we're terrible (laughs) oh my All right, forget it, fuck it. Uh, you can find Banana Laser at horophilia.com. Check us out on Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Follow us on Twitter, Banana Laser Show. Look us up on YouTube, Banana Lasers, everywhere, iTunes, Stitcher Radio. Look us up so you can join us. Bloody Moon by Jess Franco. Not one of Franco's more typical films, and yet probably one of the most frequently seen by uh, casual horror fans who may not have caught the Franco bug. It's a slasher film, and it's a Jess Franco film. Now, that for me is like two Christmases at once. That's just two of my favourite ever things in one place. So even though it's not a great Jess Franco film, it doesn't have the personal stamp of some of his other films like La Comtesse Noire or or, um, Virgin Among the Living Dead. And then also, just to throw into the mix as well, it's got disco music. So it's a slasher film... It's a Jess Franco film, and it's got a disco soundtrack as well. And one of the real charms of the film as well is just it's got a tin ear for dialogue, really. There there are some lines in there that just always, always kind of brighten my day if I hear them. There's um, one particular one where a girl says, uh, I bet he's never even made it with a girl, the phony Spanish lover. Your kiss is cold and icy as death. Your embrace, deep as the night. Ava's been murdered. That's nonsense. He wants to kill me, too. Bloody moon. Summer nights filled with horror. A killer whose lust for blood will stop at nothing. Nights of blood. Nights of terror that will leave you breathless. Young girls in search of love and adventure become the prey of a bloodthirsty killer. Now you'll be mine. with him. I can't wait till tonight. I wish you were here now. Fear will grip you on this holiday of terror. A dream vacation becomes a nightmare. Bloody Moon, a film you won't soon forget. Bloody Moon. And welcome back to part two, our second review of the evening is going to be Bloody Moon. Um, there are quite a few other names for this. I don't even want to try doing them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I quite like my favourite one out of the, the alternative ones are the Bloody Moon Murders. Okay. I, I, I quite like that. And um, uh, one of our one of our kind listeners, uh, Mr David Patton, um, uh, Kind of dropped a suggestion in on the German pronunciation, telling me that the, that the G is pronounced 
hard as he said. Okay, so not I think hard. it's yeah, yeah, so I think it's D Sag de Todes. That's nah, probably our E with an umlaut. It's E. Sage did I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a German name. Anyway. That's as good as we're going to get. Yeah, it's um, it's a film from West Germany, made in 1981, directed by I'm going to say Jesus Franco, not Jesus. No, it's, it's sure. Jesus Franco. You're spot. It's cool. Okay. Um, released November 1981, added to our famous list in July '83, um, probably because of the cover, yeah. which is a picture of a like a. a, a basically a circular saw kind of about to cut through someone's face yeah yeah um i quite enjoyed this just, this is a brilliant just, movie it was this is brilliant it was really making me laugh we, we open up um, with some kind of cool as fuck disco music some mental dancing right it's weird because they're almost in sync but they're all kind of doing crazy shit with their arms and there's one guy who's just dressed as super mario yeah isn't he? Just in like weird yellow dungarees and a red t-shirt. Fucking <laughs> really weird. I don't know if Super Mario was out in, in 1981. Probably was. Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, then we kind of, the camera's kind of panning around. We've got this couple uh, making out. Then we've got a little bit of a, a Halloween rip-off where he kind of grabs the like a Mickey Mouse mask, puts that on, and then we get like the POV shot. Of the it kind of turns out to be the killer. He's like wandering off through the forest, finds just one random honey. She must have had so much ecstasy, just dancing all on her own, riddled with MDMA. I think she is, um, and I think she thinks he's somebody else. Mm-hmm. But she must have known something was wrong because the guy's got no rhythm. She obviously thinks this is this guy that she's been after for quite a while. Um, and it's weird. I don't know who she thinks he's meant to be. Surely not Mickey Mouse. <laughs> like, she's really excited. So I know that that's a mask. That is not actually Mickey Mouse. And then he kind of takes her back to the house. Um, they're kind of getting it on. She pulls the mask off and screams. I'm not sure if she screams because it's not who she thought he was or just because of that haircut. Because yeah. <laughs> the haircut's quite- mental. As a wee bit mental. She's then obviously not up for it because it's not who she thought it was. Um, he gets a bit rapey. Um, she kicks him away. She puts up quite a good fight, but he grabs some scissors and kind of hacks away at his stomach. And well, it's a pretty good practical effect. It does kind of look like he's stabbing through plasticine, but yeah, it's not a bad it's not a bad opening kill. Um, we then kind of flash forward to the mental home, um, and this guy, the guy that's just done the murder, his sister's picking him up from the mental home, and this made me pissed, Duncan, because when he t- when he like comes into the office, he's wearing a suit like John Travolta from Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> and I thought, has he been wearing that the whole time he's been in- incarcerated? Because that's a lovely little outfit that he's got on. I don't know how long he's been in there. Um, and then, like, for the first time, we get to hear the, the fucking whiny music that plays all the way through. That's just terrible, that kind of... Wow, 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 wow. And then these two are on a train. Um, now, I'm not sure about you, Duncan. We were talking about being rehabilitated earlier. I'm not convinced he's been rehabilitated the way he's staring at that woman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's obvious, obvious psychotic stare. I mean, yeah. straight away. I'm like, you're, yeah, you, you and Jack Nicholson in The Shining right at the start. Something quite not right there. You're slightly unhinged, behind, dead behind the eyes, like a shark. Andy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dead behind the eyes. John Travolta special and suit and all. Um, then we meet like the poor man's James Khan, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Only because of his hair, though. 
He looks a bit like him facially. It's mainly the hair. It's mainly the perm. Um, and then we kind of get the family set up. I think the the killer's called Miguel, isn't he? Um, yes. Miguel's sister, blatantly after the aunt's money, and the aunt knows it. Um, but apparently the, the money's been left to the brother, hasn't it, Miguel? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, she soon gets killed by someone. We then get an, an amazing tennis scene to rival the one in pieces. Yeah, yeah. Where we get it's... like a helicopter shot of people <laughs> playing tennis and then close-ups of people that have obviously never played tennis in their life, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> we kind of get the group of girls then. Um, it's, it's like a school, isn't it? Like a language school. Yeah. And they're bitches, these girls. They're horrible. <laughs> they're not these adults. <laughs> no, which, I mean, this is what I'll talk about when we talk about the burning. It's really fucking easy to write arsehole characters, and it's really difficult to write people that are likeable. Yeah. And these just aren't that likeable at all. Um, Miguel follows one of them home. And then the music that we hear all the way through, she's playing that on her record player. Isn't she? Because it skips. It goes, wow, wow, wow. And she's like, ah, oh, fucking hell, the record's skipping. And then, like, this is so bizarre because she goes to have a shower and it's the same woman that he saw on the train who he's giving, like, the fucking psycho stare to. She's about to have a shower. She, like, wipes away the mist on the bathroom mirror and he's standing in the reflection of her mirror. Mm-hmm. She freaks out but then just forgets that he was even there. Yeah. It's so Weird. fucking bizarre. And then she just goes and buys something off the world's youngest door-to-door salesman. Some little kid just answers the door with, like, a wooden elephant. She goes, oh, yeah, brilliant, I'll buy that off you. I thought, have you forgotten that there was a bloke standing in your fucking bathroom about 20 seconds ago? You've forgotten. <laughs> Insane. And then, this makes me piss, is where we get introduced to the world's greatest lover, don't we? Oh, God, He's yeah. basically the only guy in this whole place. And he goes, hey, why don't you try me out for a night? And I thought, all right, mate, that's a bit forward. And then he says to her, he says to one of the other girls, he goes, um, do, you, do you speak uh, Spanish? She goes, yeah, fluently. And she just runs off, like, pretty much, hello, goodbye, and thank you in Spanish. She goes, is that enough to convince you? I thought, well, not really. <laughs> that's just really basic vocabulary. Hello, goodbye. No, yeah. I'm, I thought, no. That's, that's really not enough to convince me you're fluent. Just saying, like, two or three things. Um and then we kind of find out that Miguel and his sister are basically having it away with each other, aren't they? Mm-hmm. A pair of incestuous kind of weirdos. But it's funny, like, there is bla- like, there's a mass shortage. I don't know if it's meant to be like a female-only college, but that guy is literally the only penis for about 50 miles, him and James Kahn. <laughs> there are so many women at this place. It's like, no wonder he's the, only- no wonder he's the best lover there. He's the fucking only one. But then we do get a good um, knife through the nipple kill, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool, which is another reason. I think the little clip that we played before is going to talk about that, how that's kind of why it's on the list. Um, apparently, there was a real problem with blood on boobs. Oh. Apparently, yeah. that was an issue. If, if blood yeah. was ever seen on boobies, that was a massive no-no, apparently. As a, yeah, as a no-no. Yeah. Let's be honest. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be happy about seeing that right now, Andy. No, exactly. But, uh, you know, for, as far as the kill goes, it's pretty impressive. Knife through the back, comes out the nipple. It's pretty original. I've never seen that before in anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she witnessed, like, this is kind of our survivor girl, witnesses this kill. But no one believes her, and it's really annoyed me. As I'm sure it's annoying for her, but it's really annoying for us as the viewers. That everyone's just kind of going, oh, you probably just imagined it, you probably just dreamt it. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I've just seen someone murdered, and no one fucking believes her. And it's like, really annoying. 
And then we get like a really funny scene of like another girl pretending to be shagged by the world's best lover. And she's just bouncing upon the bed doing the noises to try and impress her mates. And then she just gets rumbled. <laughs> and they're like staring at her through the window while she's just bouncing down on the bed going, oh, oh, yeah. And then she just gets really limp and goes, how can you look and just laugh at me? I thought, well, what are we supposed to do? Like, you've just been rumbled, like, properly there, love. Um, and then we're kind of moving on to the stone cutter saw kill, which is pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is there's a reason that this is on the front cover of the movie. It's, even by 81 standards, this is pretty cool. Mm. It's good. I mean, the effect kind of, it could have been better for me just because I know they can't really cut someone's head off, but it's so obviously a mannequin when it goes to do the head chop. Yeah. Um, but it's still a pretty cool effect. Um, I'm kind of skipping forward anyway. We then find out that James Kahn guy is the killer. Um, his sister's been plotting with him against Miguel, obviously, to get the money. Um, Miguel gets a bit rapey with the final girl. Now, another really cool effect, she like stabs him straight through the neck with a knife, kind of in one side and out the other, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, turns out James Kahn's a bit of an arsehole, though. Um, he just wanted the money, so even though he's been kind of colluding with the sister, um, he's just after the money. He's not really interested in her anyway, which kind of serves her right, because she's a bit of an arse. Um, <laughs> Then we get like a bit of a psycho homage where she goes to like speak to the auntie and she's been dead for ages. They kind of turn the chair and she's just like sitting there kind of mummified almost, isn't she? Mm -hmm. um, then the James Khan guy tries to kill the final girl um, and then the sister comes in and massacres him with a, a hedge trimmer. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> great fucking kill. I've got one of them hedge trimmers in the house. They're uh, pretty handy. You're yeah, looking at it in a different light now. Yeah, exactly. I've never seen that used before either in a kiln. It's, it's quite nasty, isn't it? Because if you've seen a hedge trimmer, the kind of the blades they just hack, don't they? They just like it's two blades that kind of run over each other. Pretty brutal yeah. kill. Um, then we kind of find out that Miguel isn't dead. I'm not really sure how he's not dead because he's got a knife <laughs> going in one jugular and out the other. Um, he strangles the sister to death. They both kind of die. The camera zooms in on them holding hands together. So pretty much everyone's dead. And everyone kind of deserved it because they're all arseholes and, and it finishes. Mm -hmm. And that's your lot. But I really enjoyed it. It just had that kind of vibe about it. It was just kind of fun to watch. And even though the characters weren't that likable, some of the dialogue was just, I mean, some of it was as bad as Blood Feast, but it's kind of charming. It had a bit of a pieces vibe for me. Yeah. Um, it's just watchable and I kind of I watched it through once and then I watched it again I briefly kind of went through it tonight just before and I kind of enjoyed it I appreciated it more after I'd kind of let it digest I thought yeah this is actually probably one I'd go back to in a year or so um, just because it amused me I mean it's quite badly shot I mean the acting's bad obviously the dubbing's horrendous um, I tried to watch it again on YouTube and I could only find a foreign version which might have been better like you say if you can get the foreign version with the subtitles it's probably better um, done the horrendous dubbing. I mean, what did you think? I, I imagine that you would like this one when I was watching it. Yeah, yeah, this is this is totally my wheelhouse. Um, when it comes to, to, to kind of early 80s movies, it's ludicrous, it's completely over the top. The gore is... Actually, the gores and the kills are really well done. Mm. You can see that um, this guy who... I mean, uh, Jesus Franco has, according to IMDb, and I don't know how accurate this is, and made about 200 movies in his career, and he only died really? like a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's like his career, you'd be surprised how many of, well, depends how strict you have followed kind of the, the early 
phases of kind of cult cinema. This guy's like recognisable. Not only that, Andy, but he's got three movies on the nasties list. So is this is not the first time that we're going to be talking about him. What are the other two? Um, one is Demon Hunter, and the other one is the, I believe it's the Erotic Rites of Frankenstein, <laughs> um, okay. which I think has a different name. They're not on the, the main list, we've... are they? Are they on the uh, unprosecuted? Uh, I think, yeah, I think they're on the unprosecuted list, but he managed, he managed to crack up three um, on the overall list, which is fairly impressive. That is, um, I don't think anyone else has done that, have they? Uh, I don't think so, and no, I think he might be the, the heaviest of all heavy hitters. Mm. Um, have you ever seen uh, Vamp- uh, Vampirus Lesbos? No, I haven't. Oh man, you should. It's from the 60s, and it's got lesbian women in it, oh. um, and it's, 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 it's pretty tasty. He directed that. He did. He worked with Christopher Lee. Okay. He did some yeah, he did like some Christopher Lee movies, and so he, he had like a, a, a like a fairly fairly prolific career. Um, building up to the, the nasties. After the nasties his titles become slightly more obscure. Um and the from from looking at some of them they sound far more on the exploitation side. Yeah. I quite like the fact that this is like this is like really we're at the early stages of the slasher. Like nineteen eighty one. I mean the next movie we're talking is also a, a slasher movie from nineteen eighty one. Mm. Uh one obviously had a budget. Um the other one, not so much. Um, and our one, which didn't really have that much of a budget, I still think it was cool. I think the story's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a kind of weird kind of sexual taboo with the whole incestuous relationship between the brother and the sister, but yeah. I think as one of the more interesting aspects of the movie, um, it's kind of it's following that through. It doesn't feel put in there purely for an exploitative reason it actually seems to be in there as a good linchpin, uh, linchpin mm. for the story which I quite enjoyed um, like I say the kills were really good um, soundtrack's nuts I love that um, yeah it's just a lot of fun it's not a great slasher movie but it's not a terrible slasher movie I like um, double crosses and I like how everyone kind of gets what they deserve because they're all arseholes out yeah. trying to do each other over they all kind of double cross each other apart from Miguel and they all kind of you know they get they get the just desserts. So it's all very it's all very um, dare I say twitch of the death nerve, Andy. So I knew you were going to say this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd been primed by twitch of the death nerve to make me enjoy this one maybe a little bit more. I don't know, but I did enjoy this a lot more than I enjoyed that one. Um, yeah, and you'll never look it, at a slasher the same way again, did you? Never look at a slasher the same way again. <laughs> They are really similar, though. Definitely, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. They are yeah. quite similar. And this guy is a Spaniard, so the fact that you're you're saying that you can get a kind of weird PCs vibe about it, I'm there with you as well. It must have been something about that era with Spanish filmmakers, even though this one's set and shot in Germany. It <laughs> has that kind of feel. It does have a kind of weird PCs feel. Um, going through it, and I think it, I just think it works. I think it's it, once again, it's not a great movie. Um, but compared to to um, Blood Rites, this is a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. Um, and this is exactly the movie. I mean, I watched this just before we recorded. It's the first time I've ever seen it. And this was completely the palate cleanser I needed after watching Blood Rites yeah. for a second time last night. So, yeah, I enjoyed this one. Um, what would you grade it? Um, it's difficult because, obviously, I gave Bay of Blood last week just to slap <laughs> on the wrist. Yes, you did. Um, so if I give this one community service, you're going to go. What the? F- why? Why are you doing that? Yeah, yeah, I will because there's more graphic kills in Bay of Blood than there are in this. You think? 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think um, I th- I think you need. I, I I said last week. Don't ever watch that movie again. I really think you need to go and watch that movie again. Mm. I think what you need to do, Andy, is buy the Arrow Blu-ray. Oh, don't. We so just quickly tell the listeners about the golden ticket. I genuinely oh. thought I was going to win. I think you know we'll save that for our closing. We'll oh, save that for oh, our closing. This yeah. is this story is epic because wait to hear what I did, Andy. Um, anyway, <clears throat> so yeah. Um, I mean, to me, this one is a slap on the wrists. I'm kind of more siding with you on this one in mm. that the, there isn't really anything graphically sexual in the movie. No. Which would, would kind of tip it into the, the realms of where a lot of the nasties went there. And even the kills, albeit gory, I don't think they're on a level which which would elevate it. It, it kind of just misses community service for me um, and, and lands safely on slap on the wrists. Yeah. Cool. Um, and it shouldn't be on the list, I don't think, because it's just a really kind of basic slasher movie. Yeah, it's once again. Uh, too horrendous on there, is there? Yeah, if Bloodbath didn't make the nasties list for me last week, this one certainly doesn't make the list. No. So, we're going to take another break. Um, when we return, we're going to be talking about um, one of the more prolific names on the list. That, like you were saying before, that chances are the ones that you have already seen are probably the, the more well-known ones. Yeah. And this one is certainly well-known if you're a fan of 80s cinema, if you're a fan of slashers, then chances are you have seen The Burning, um, which will be quite interesting when we come back because... Uh, yeah, I, I I want to hear what you have to say about this movie, Andy. Oh. And um, we're going to be right back after these promos and some more wise words about the movie. Right Hello, have you ever heard of MSK3000? Yeah, well, we ain't them. But we are movie fans who like to drink and talk shit about our favorite movies. So join me, your host, Nudie, along with my co-host, Jake the Snake, and special guest stars as we dissect our favorite, or maybe not-so-favorite movies, on the NFW Podcast otherwise known as No Fucking Way. You can catch us on Heartophilia and also at NFW underscore podcast on Twitter or NFW podcast at yahoo.com. The Burning it's an entirely ordinary Friday the 13th ripoff. It was um, unusually for a video nasty released by fairly respectable people. Thorny MI Video, Handmade Films, George Harrison's company who, who made The Life of Brian and Long Good Friday and stuff like that. It was um, the first uh, film venture for uh, the Weinstein brothers, who later created Miramax. Tom Savini worked on it. It's got some interesting people in it. Holly Hunter is in it for about two seconds. It's out. Yeah, in a fully uncut version on DVD now, if you actually want to see the film. Uh, if you want to own the, the precious, hallowed artefact, that'll cost you a bit more. This summer, if you're planning to go camping, don't. If you're looking forward to midnight swims, don't. Sneak on back to the campsite. Get some matches. And if you're thinking about being with someone where no one can see you, don't. Because this summer, a legend of terror isn't just a campfire story anymore. They say he smashed his way through the bunk room door, just a mass of flames. I cried out, I will return, I will have my revenge. on whatever he can catch. Right now, he's out there, watching, waiting. 
Summer five years ago is about to happen again and again and again. The burning. Ah, welcome back. So it's time for our final movie review of the show. This one also from 1981 and it's also a slasher. This movie is called The Burning. It was directed by <coughs> Tony Malum. Um, and this uh, may surprise some people out there because uh, this one has credited writer's credits to Harvey Weinstein. As in he behind Miramax because mm. <laughs> uh, this yeah, is a film, isn't it? yeah this is their first movie this this one was uh, quite the success story and you could maybe on some level say that you might not have Tarantino on the level that we have Tarantino if it wasn't for the burning which is just fucking bizarre because if this movie hadn't done well god knows how long it would have taken Miramax to become the powerhouse it is now yeah. um so uh this movie, uh, the synopsis on IMDb, um, a former summer camp caretaker, horribly burned from a prank gone wrong, looks around an upstate New York summer camp bent on killing the teenagers responsible for his disfigurement. Um, th- this movie is famous for, for a couple of reasons, a uh, couple of big reasons, in that there are some famous people in here, people that have went on to bigger and better things. Uh, one of the one of the big names in here, obviously being Jason Alexander, who who found quite a lot of fame on Seinfeld. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love Seinfeld. Um, and, and, oh, surprisingly enough, I always forget he's in this. But every time I watch, it, I'm like, oh, there's Fisher Stevens. There's Fisher Stevens. There is the plague um, from Hackers, well, like one of my all time favorite '90s movies. Um, and I'm like, there he's there. Look how young he looks. Look how fresh face he looks. Um, fucking Holly Hunter's in this movie. There's, you know, there's like a lot of these stars before they go on and become. Right, do you know who else is in this movie? Drop it like it's hot, Andy. He's basically, he is a white guy, but he plays the most stereotypical Indian fella you've ever seen in your life in short circuit. Yeah. It's him. It's him. I just thought, I never realised how racist short circuit was. I genuinely thought that was an Asian or Indian fella playing that guy and just obviously putting the accent on. Really? yeah, but they just like browned up a white guy. Yeah, that's that's Fisher Stevens. Yeah, I never. Oh, that's Fisher Stevens. Yeah, that's Fisher yeah. Stevens. Did that's that that is Fisher Stevens. That Phoebe's is the, Phoebe's boyfriend in Friends as well, isn't it? That's right. He's he's been in loads. He's been in like yeah. loads of weird shit. Uh, which is funny because Jason Alexander was also in Friends. Oh yeah, he played the 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 guy. Oh, this is like the worst nasty segment ever. Um, he played the the guy who was selling toner, um, and Phoebe had to talk him out of killing himself. Anyway, <laughs> to gain yeah. back some horror credibility on this show, uh, without talking about Friends, um, <laughs> <laughs> this movie also famously is the movie that Tom Savini did, turning down um, the chance to do the practical effects on Friday Thirteenth Part Two. So he got offered that one, he read the script for The Burning, didn't want to be fully tied into doing 
you know, that series of movies, he picked this one as an opportunity to go and try some other things. Yeah. Um, I own the the Scream Factory Blu-ray for this, and this, oh, no, sorry, sorry, dude. Um, and you people, I'm sure that someone will have put the special features up on YouTube. Like these things always happen. Yeah. Um, and there's a really good documentary with Savini talking you through this, and he kind of looks at this movie in two respects. He likes quite a lot of the practical effects he did it. In fact, mm. most of what you see of the killer is Savini. Because okay. the, the guy they got in to do... The guy that they got in, Cropsy, Cropsy, um, the, the, the actor couldn't hold the the pair of garden scissors the way that he wanted. Right. So um, he just went rogue after a while and just shot all those sequences himself with him holding them. Um, okay. And that's the iconic image you see on the poster. Is that's how he wanted the actor to hold the, the scissors and he wouldn't do it. So... There you go. A little lesser known fact, but he also he also comments on the fact that he loves quite a lot of the effects, like obviously the finger chopping off sequence. Mm. Loves how he did that and all the rest. Hates the makeup he did for Cropsey, and I can kind of see why because the face looks more akin to the Incredible Melting Man than it does Freddy Krueger. Yeah, doesn't really look like Burns. It looks like melted face. Yeah. Well, it kind of looks like a melted welly boot. Um, <laughs> so basically, what we have in this one is um, a group of obnoxious fucking teenagers at a, a camp play a prank on a caretaker who is a drunk. He's a, a, mm. a drunk and apparently a bit of a meanie. Um, and during the prank, they knock over his lamp, which is one of these old-fashioned oil lamps, which basically sets the 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 cabin on fire in seconds uh, yeah in seconds well I guess wooden Andy uh, in seconds okay. it, you know, it was wooden and clearly covered in alcohol and petrol to, to, to free to go that <laughs> way <laughs> yeah. and a uh, Cropsy runs out a really cool running flame effect in this movie it's great you don't see yeah. that anymore yeah you don't you don't it's just because it's too risky they, they won't do it now they CGI it and it look horrible yeah, um, but a really cool running flame effect Um this guy uh, is called Cropsy after the the local myth of Cropsy um, out in the the kind of the, the Staten Island. Uh, sorry, oh, is, it, is it the same as that? Is it okay? Well, it's loosely based on it. It's yeah. the, the name is loosely based on the urban legend of okay. Cropsy. Um, very, very loosely. I think they just took the name because it was a name people could identify with. Uh, and then what you get is um, we get a new group of teenagers. Not the same teenagers. Is it? No. No, it's no. not the same. That's why I, I think a couple of the counsellors are the same yeah. teenagers, aren't they? They're grown up. Yeah, they're, they're grown up, but it's not. And then basically what happens is they are picked off after a while. There's there's a bit of a, a bit of time in between the kills in this one. But when this movie picks up, business fucking picks up. And then you get what I can only describe as some of the, the best kind of gore effects um, in a slasher movie ever. I mean, that sequence, the sequence on the rafts, that whole raft sequence is brilliant anyway, mm. but when Fisher Stevens gets his fingers cut off, that effect holds up so well, it is so fucking seamless, that even watching it back in Blu-ray, I'm like, and it, they show you how they did the effect. Um, okay. Oh, so even on Blu-ray it looks good, because sometimes when you get the old HD out, it kind yeah. of ruins a yeah, bit. Yeah, this one... Sometimes. This one still looks great, man. Still looks great. Still to the point where I'm like that. Savini's a fucking genius. You know what I mean? Like, at, at times when Savini's on point, the man's a fucking genius. And I, I think it's a great effect. And then basically we, we build through to 
Well, what would be a very, by today's standards, is a very cliched sort of end, and it goes exactly the way you expect it to end. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I, I'm kind of the reason I've kind of rushed through this here is because I'm quite late to the party on the burning. Um, I think I saw the burning for the first time, circa 2006, 2007. Okay. Um, so it was, I was quite a bit on. Um, you, however, on the previous show said that this is a movie that you saw in your kind of more informed years when you were a bit younger. Mm. Um, so, I mean, go say me one thing: was did this movie scare you when you saw it? Um, it didn't scare me because I think I was about probably fifteen. Right, right. So, 14, you, were, yeah, so you were kind of past that stage. Yeah. I was just loving Friday the Thirteenth, um, and this harks back to the day when you had to pick what films. You know, there was like I think we've said this before. There was no internet. There was no way of kind of knowing apart from word of mouth. There wasn't really even any photos on the back of the box. You just kind of went on the front cover, and I um, blind bought this based on the front cover, probably with my paper round money. Um, yeah, and just really enjoyed it. It was it was really what I was kind of looking for at the time. So I have got kind of a bit of a, a soft spot for this, um, just because there's quite a bit of nostalgia behind it as well. And for me, it kind of it does what I want it to do. It's got a good strong opening, and then we get kind of um, like sort of the mythos around the character where you know he's, it, it kind of flashes forward like so many months later, and then he's in the hospital. And then you, get, and I love the bit where you got like the the kind of the nurse kind of ward or whatever he is taking the doctor around saying, "Oh man, you got to see this shit. Like you can't be a proper doctor until you've seen this shit." Yeah. <laughs> and the and it's like you know, like it's just a weird thing to do. Like surely, like this doctor obviously is not commanding any respect by this guy. He's just kind of letting him talk him around and show him around. And it's weird because he's like on about this guy who he's obviously seen loads of times. And as soon as he grabs his arm, he shits himself, doesn't he, the guy? Yeah. <laughs> it's just makes me laugh. He's like, oh, hang on a minute, you were building this up. All he's done is grab your fucking arm. Yeah. Um, so obviously we find out Croxy's not dead. And you're thinking, well, of course he's not. But, you know, it's good to know he's been in hospital. They Apparently they can't do burns, can they? The burns are, like, too horrendous. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of give you this backstory that, you know, he's scarred for life. And, and then we see him check out. Um, why did they check him out? I mean, I don't know why he's in hospital for five years in the first place. <laughs> yeah. But they kind of, I don't know, they've done all they can for him. Um, and doesn't it, who does he um, scare the shit out of? There's a woman, because I made a note saying about this woman really screams and really does a drastic overreaction when she sees his face. And I thought, he can't look any worse than you do, look. <laughs> <laughs> Is that... I can't. Is that like a halfway house? Is that? I can't remember. I think it's like a like a kind of recovery place. Like, yeah. Like not not quite like a, a a hostel or something, but not far off it. And then what we do get, which is amazing in this movie, I've called it Cropsy Vision. <laughs> Whenever Cropsy's there, there's a bit of Vaseline smeared on the lens. I'm assuming that's meant to be like his eyes are burned or whatever. And we get Cropsy Vision, so we know like when he's kind of stalking people, he's watching people. Because with this, what I like about it is, I mean, then this would annoy me in a different film. Once you get that opening, like, like I say, the strong opening, and it kind of shows you what's happened to him, and he's got, you know, he's hell bent on revenge because he's like he's scarred for life and all that. It's then a good sort of fifty minutes before anything else really happens. But yeah. because the characters, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier about, it's really easy to write arseholes. I could sit down and pen a script, you know, with with people who are horrible people. 
it's easy to do. You just make him obnoxious. You make him like you know, slag other people off. Be horrible. It's not difficult to do. Make creating characters that are likable, I think, is really difficult, and and it's not done very often in films. And I think that's why Friday the Thirteenth Part Four is probably my favourite one because it's got you've got some really likable characters in that. And I think these characters are likable people. Like you say, the guy from Seinfeld, Fisher Stevens, they're not bad kids at all. Uh -huh. like, I can imagine kind of being mates with them myself. Like even the bully who's been an arsehole to kind of the weird, starey guy, when he pulls an attractive woman, he's a big softy as well. He's just really insecure. Do you know what I mean? And the reason that he's bullying people and he's a bit of a dick is just because he's totally insecure. And, I just, and he's funny, he thinks he's Rocky, doesn't he? You know, like, yeah, oh God, yeah. He's a, he's a total douchebag, but there's just something like you don't mind spending time with these characters. Some of them are a bit annoying, but I kind of don't mind the fact that we go a good sort of 45, 50 minutes without anything really happening because I'm just kind of enjoying, you know, the thing of Croxy. You know he's there, you know he's watching him. It's a good kind of, um, it's a good tension builder, mm -hmm. I think. Because on the first murder, you've got this guy who basically uses the James Bond method of seduction. <laughs> Where instead of like just trying to talk to a girl and you know make her relax and comfortable in your presence, he just forces himself on her, and when she says no, he just forces himself on her some more. It's really weird. Like I was watching, like the Bond films are on all the time at the minute. I'm like ITV. Yeah. And I don't know what kind of message it's giving out, but Bond will force himself on a girl. Mm -hmm. She'll fight him for a bit, and he'll just persist, and eventually she just gives up and shags him. Yep. I just think, fucking hell, like, I don't, that's a really bad message because these <laughs> films are shown at like half four in the afternoon. Yeah. And that guy, is, he just was doing the full on bond method instruction. I'm going to force myself on you and I'm just going to keep doing that until you eventually give up, which is kind of what happens. Anyway, he, she gets murdered, doesn't she? Or does he get murdered? I think he gets murdered, doesn't he? Yeah, and then we kind of, that kind of sets off the chain of events then, and then we, we get a good few murders kind of in rapid succession. And like you say, culminating really with this whole raft scene. And it takes them so long, doesn't it, to paddle up to the boat. Yeah. And I think it's a great bit of tension there because, you know, you know something terrible is going to happen. I mean, Rachel thought it was just going to be a body in the boat. Obviously, I knew differently. But I think just the fact that it takes so long to, for them to, to paddle up to that boat, you think, oh, something, something big's coming. And then jumps out, doesn't he? There's the old, like you say, the chopping scene, and that was cut out of the original cut. It was basically the raft scene was what was missing. Yes, that's right. They took that, but that was that's where the the um, BBFC were like new. <laughs> yeah, so we lose, and I'm not sure if the version I had because I think the version I had said it was uncut, but I don't think it was. So I think I watched it thinking, oh yeah, brilliant, and then I think about ten years later, I realised there was a different version. Mm -hmm. that extra gore and obviously you have to watch it don't you you think oh, I've got to see oh by, by that point yeah you need to find it as soon as you find that something's been cut from a film you're like I need to see what's been you cut you feel cheated <laughs> then you like you almost think oh, I've got I have to see like, my life won't be complete until I've seen the extra and it's only like nine seconds yeah and I think the guy on the uh, on the clip from the, the censorship documentary says if you're only going to cut nine seconds from a movie why fucking bother because yeah. it's pretty gory anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's quite a lot of gory kills. I don't think the finger snipping, and I think it's the finger snip, and I think it's the close up of the shears going into the throat. Yes, is, is basically what compiles the nine seconds. I don't, All I mean, the other I, kills I, are intact. 
Yeah, I think that's what kind of... I think, to me, that's one of the things that makes that sequence such a standout bit of slashers is, like, you tend to find in slasher movies people are picked off one at a time. There's mm. there's very rarely a scenario, and this is, this is one of very few movies where your, your stalker, your killer, your shape... Um, attacks a group mm. at once and then and then does kills in quick succession. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what, what gives that whole sequence such such great poignancy. The fact that, yeah, they are in the middle of the water. They are quite far away from ground and at their mercy of someone who is a killer and, you know, and that he's killing them all now, you know. And, and, and there is, there's something genius about that sequence. Yeah, um, that, that, you know, that works just... So 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 well. I mean, you're talking about cutting things out. I've always been a firm advocate of like when it comes to certification and that. And they're like, well, it has some mild swearing. It, um, you know, occasionally you get a movie <clears throat> which is fifteen, and in a fifteen, someone might say the word fuck. Yeah. Um, but they only say it once, so that's a fifteen. But if they mm. say it ten times, then it's an eighteen. And you kind of think to yourself, there is no difference between saying fuck ten times and there is saying it once. No, I mean, so, you know whole, I mean, it's kind of the same. Shit. Sorry, go on. I was going to say it's kind of the same when it comes to to, to violence, um, mm. and I understand they're there to make sure that you know it doesn't. You're not overloaded with it, but you know if there's going to be vi- if you're sitting down to watch a violent movie, which is a fifteen. Um, I think what they say then, if it's sexual violence, it becomes an eighteen. Yeah. Um, but and sometimes the 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 actual violence in a fifteen. Um, the things that can happen to people, whilst maybe not of a sexual nature, might be more graphic oh, than yeah. the implied sexual violence in an 18. So, I, I, I mean, I would hate to work in any form of censorship just because I would feel like I was constantly having to find reasons to censor things which... Well, they do this thing be. where they negotiate now, don't they, with yes. censors, where they say, right, if I take one pair of tits out, can I have an extra three seconds? You know, and they like they negotiate the gore versus the tits and versus the, the language and like, really strange. I, I, don't, I don't know if you know, there's got a bit of trivia about um, Team America. You know the uh-huh. puppet sex scene that they did? Yes, infamous puppet sex scene. <laughs> well, what they did is put so much over-the-top, gratuitous, vile stuff in the sex scene, knowing that it would be cut. So then the bit that they were left with was exactly what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they had have just put the sex scene as it was, they knew that was going to have bits removed. So because they added all this ridiculously over-the-top stuff, when that was snipped, it's, it was basically... The scene was exactly how they wanted, <laughs> they wanted to be left with, and I thought that's a genius strategy. It's quite clever. But just the fact that you have to do stuff like that to get what you want in your film. I mean, it's puppets for fuck's sake. It's <laughs> not even people there, and they're getting, and it's still going on. Like Hatchet, I bought the um, a Region One version of Hatchet because the Region Two UK version of Hatchet is cut to shreds. Really? By about one minute and twenty seconds. Honestly. Fucking like over a minute of footage is is missing. Please tell me they didn't remove that amazing head rip. Um, everything's cut. All the scenes. Like, there's one. There's a murder even missing from the region two. Even one of the deaths is not even present. So as soon as I found that out, I fucking threw it in the. Well, I, I gave it to charity. I just got rid of the region two. I thought well, there's no point watching. It. I'll never watch that again now, knowing that there's over a minute of of yeah. cut. 
So I went online, I think Amazon, it was about three or four quid for the Region 1 version and fully intact. The same with uh, Hatchet 2 is the same. The UK version of Hatchet 2 has got a lot of footage missing um, and the Region 1 version's fully intact. So... Nuts. So if the region one now you if you got the region two have you? Uh, no, I've as a series of movies. I'm, I'm still convinced he's going to make a fourth one, even though he said he's not. Right. Um, I'm not a fan of the sequels, but the first one I think it's great. Oh no, I, I don't mind. I don't mind two. And actually, I've got quite a lot of time for three. Three is just complete fucking nonsense. Yeah, it's just it's a bit much for me. For me, like the number hatchet, the first hatchet is about as close as the burning. Yeah, as you can get. Um, and I really like the characters. I think the interplay, like with the guy that's doing the porn movie, is funny. The two guys who were mates who he drags him on the tour. I think that it, them, I just really enjoy the characters in that. Mm. Um, and I think that's something that's really missing from modern stuff: is likable people that you well, don't mind spending ninety minutes with. Well, that's this is like Adam Green's grown up with watching movies like The Burning, and that's the, that's influenced through. I think that's the, the one of the things that looking at I mean you can obviously tell the Burnings influence by Friday the 13th there is a, yeah. there's a huge influence there I just like the fact that they do what what you would expect a sequel to do to Friday the 13th ironically mm-hmm. is that they give you a more bloodier more mean spirited killer yeah um, for me it's far and, better it's a far superior movie oh yeah I would I would agree with that I think it's I think it's I think it's a phenomenal um, bit of kind of early early slasher cinema mm-hmm. um, and there's there's other cool things I love the score of the movie I think there is some really cool visual shots especially um, of like the sunrise and things like that as well you know they really do kind of capture the beauty of the area which I think yeah, works yeah. cinematography is really good the logistics of doing that water scene I know we keep coming back to it but that's the iconic scenes of the, mm-hmm. the movie the logistics of doing that and to make it seem the, the way it's shot is brilliant it kind of almost evokes that sort of there's a kind of seventies feel about the way it's shot out in the water um, that you would get with some of the, maybe the the animal horror and things like that. Just the way the camera's shot. So there's experienced hands behind the camera as well. And the movie, there there is something. Yeah, it's a kind of goofy story and all the rest. And it is a, on some level a morality tale, but it's not a preachy movie. No. Um, you know, it's, it doesn't go. And we, one of the reasons is we never got a sequel. But had this gone on the same as Friday the 13th you would probably find it would get to the point where these kids are having sex and they shouldn't be they should be <laughs> yeah. in school this is why they're that so it doesn't go down that road and it doesn't have to and I think sometimes standalone slashers like this like if you watch like, things like The Prowler as well where you only get one movie um, oh the head explosion in that yeah the, the impact the, the impact of those movies I think the reason they become so iconic is because we only have the memory of that movie we don't have a memory of a series which eventually Became uh, diluted the further it went on. Yeah, um, and I think this. I think I genuinely think um, if I was listing off, you know, my my, my top ten slashers of all time, the burning would probably be uh, midway on that list. I think it's a really, really, really good slasher. Um, great cast. I, I, it's just a really fun movie. Once again, though, I, I, what, what confuses me is Friday the Thirteenth passes fine. Nice. Um, it passes fine. It doesn't make its way into the video nasties list. The burning does though, and um, that's a wee bit confusing to me because I mean Friday two Savini wasn't there. There's a there's a lot less gore and mm-hmm. um, Friday two than there is in you know in the burning or even Friday one. But I, I, it just seems weird. So I don't know. Obviously, I think once again, like you said on one of the previous shows, Miramax, brand new film company, obviously not got the clout 
um, of New Line, uh, who put out, you know, the or sorry, was it, it would have been Paramount uh, that put out Friday the Thirteenth. So it doesn't have the same clout. So that movie, unfortunately, becomes a, a casualty of the list, and unfairly, I think. I mean, if I was grading the burning, I would say straight away. To me, it's still a slap on the wrists. I, I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think. It's, it's in the same territory as uh, Bloody Moon. I don't think there's anything in here. There's no extreme sexual violence or anything like that to really mm-hmm. elevate it. It's more just the gore effects that this movie was put on the list for. And even them, yeah, they're they're, they're bad, but they're not terrible. Um, not completely horrific. And obviously um, done on dummies. No one was accusing this movie of being a snuff movie. Um, so yeah, I would give it I would give it community service. What about yourself? Uh, uh, no, not community service. Slap yeah, slap on the wrist. I think slap. I'm going to be the same <clears throat> just because, and I don't want to like compare one film to another, but for me, like Friday the 13th, because it didn't make the list, is kind of the benchmark for me of stuff where I think, well, that's quite passable, not that violent. And for me, like the gore, it's good and it's great practical effects, but it's obviously not real. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's obviously just well done practical effects. Um, and and in my mind, like, I've, there's probably only going to be a couple that actually get the hard time verdict. And for me, like you just said, to get community service, it's got to be something a little bit more, a little bit more edgy, a little bit darker, some sexual violence, something that's a bit kind of nasty, gives you the shudders. And this doesn't, it's just kind of a good fun, you know, revenge killer slasher thing from the 80s. And no, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be on the list. And, and it's just a slap on the wrist for me. Yeah, though. definitely, definitely not on the list from my point of view as well. So that's a uh, that's another three off the list. Just quickly, I, I supposedly had the uncut version that I watched, but I always remember the the death of Cropsy being a lot more gory. You know, like when he gets impaled with the axe. Yes. And I remember his face like pissing blood for a good couple of seconds. Uh huh. Whereas it just seems it was really quick on the one I watched. He gets hit with the axe. You see a bit of blood, and then it cuts away. All right. How gory that is on your version. Um, what I'll do is for the next episode, I'll compare the two versions. I'll compare the version that you've watched against the. Uh, yeah. I mean, the version I saw is fully uncut. Uh, Screen Factory put out the fully uncut version. So yeah. um, I don't think the version on YouTube that I tagged in there was this, the Screen Factory version. Okay. Um, so it reminded me of the Bud Dwyer suicide. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like the way Bud pisses out of his face, that's how I remember the burning being. Yeah. Um, but in the version I saw, it wasn't really. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see if it is, if it's similar or, yeah. or if it's different. I'll do, I'll do a bit of research on that one and I shall report back on the next show. Um, yep. However, we're going to take another short break. You're going to hear another promo for uh, a show on the network. When we return, myself and Andy will be closing out the show right after this. Well, Gary, here we are. Somehow uh, we made it through here. What? Where? Uh, we're, we're in the sequel, of course. Sequel? What sequel? Well, Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast. Come on, get with it. Oh, that's right. Our podcast is exclusively about sequels, where the budget is well, bigger. we don't actually have a budget. Get away from her, you bitch! But the action's more exciting? Uh, I don't know much about action. Hey, you got a like to him, man. Allow me, scum. The babes are hotter? Wait, there's babes involved? How about some of this? So tasty and hard and firm that it just melts in your mouth. The kills get gorier and more extreme? Uh, kills? Did we talk about this? Uh, never mind. So find Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast, exclusively on the Horror Theater Network. 
Because when all other podcasts are through, we're already thinking about part two. And welcome back. So you've been listening to Doing the Nasty Podcast, episode number three. Uh, the movie reviews on the show were Blood Rites from 1968, uh, Bloody Moon from 1981, and The Burning from 1981. So, Andy, that's another three off the list. Yep, three down. And, and a um, big, big heavy hitter, like we said oh earlier, God, coming up yeah. next week. Yeah, ne- next, the next episode, uh, it's got Cannibal Holocaust in it. It's not going to be... Um, a cheery, chirpy conversation. It's going to be a lot of uh, me and Andy trying to get our head around the fact of, of what we have seen in that movie again and why we went back to it again. Yeah. Um, I would love to say that after this next viewing of it, I'll never see that movie again. But I've realised. What sorry? Do you own it at all? Yeah, yeah, I've got the the Shameless edition. Okay. Of it. So, and I don't think the Shameless edition is fully uncut. But right. I, I do have a copy of the fully uncut version, yeah, um, yeah, and a more kind of bootlegged version. So, um, yeah, it's it, it'll be it'll be an interest. I mean, that whole show it's three movies that are um, well of those three movies. Um, I've seen all three. Yeah, so I've got this, Apocalypse. We will um, we'll give that away next. Yeah, you were saying, yeah, so that, that one will be a special gift, a special uh, prize for, for someone, and me and Andy will bash heads together and see if we can come up with a, a suitable question and or activity for you to accomplish to win said prize. <laughs> um, now, you were just hinting on, just before we go, um, right, so obviously if you're in the UK, um, if you're in America, Scream Factory is the, the place to go, you've got Vinegar Syndrome and Twilight Time and all that over there, and, and Blue, uh, Blue Moon and stuff like that. Over here, we have Arrow. Arrow is our company. Uh, there's other ones coming up, but Arrow Films, and they're sp- in specific, their subdivision Arrow Video, is where it's at. And both yeah. myself and Mr. Blockley are, would we say, collectors? I think I've got a problem. <laughs> yeah, I think I do as well. And it gets worse every time they say they're having a sale. Yeah. And then I buy things that I know I've, I don't want. And then they lie there for. And I'm currently in the process of trying to go through all my Arrow uh, video Blu-rays that I haven't watched that I own, and I own a lot that I've never watched. So, okay. yeah, because I buy them, like I would tend to buy two or three at one point. And um, but you know, even if the film's crap, the special features are brilliant. Yeah, they? I think yeah, I think that's the thing about these things. They are the they, they make them collectors' editions, and that is one of my big gripes where the Scream Factory releases is that, yeah, the special features are pretty cool, um, the prints are awesome, the the cover art's brilliant, but when you buy something from Arrow, you get a booklet inside, and there tends to be a lot of writing, a, a lot more kind of... It feels like a, a bigger affair than it does when you buy from Scream Factory, which has no booklet. It's just yeah, sometimes you get posters as well. Yeah, yeah, specifically in the older ones. I think the last one they did with a poster was Maniac Cop. They've not done one with posters since, and I keep meaning to... I'm trying to nail down an interview with the guys from Arrow from a show, and I maybe oh, ask. Okay. I get the feeling it's probably budgetary. It's probably a cost reason that they don't do it much. Yeah, anymore. I mean, I've I've bought a couple used, like really hard to get ones, and they were missing. Oh no, man! It's fucking annoying. So like, yeah, whoever's whoever had it's just like had the poster out of it and then sold it on, which is a bit annoying. Yeah, I, and I, mean, I haven't bought it from the seller. I bought it from like someone that's bought it from a seller, so I couldn't really have any comeback either. It's not like I could, yeah. could complain. Say, give me my poster. Give me my fucking poster. If it's on oh. you all, take it down, fold it up, <laughs> and send it to me. And the thing is, um, they they do they do, they have quite a lot of fun. Um, as a company, they're quite quirky, and obviously they've just launched into America. Mm. Um, they're hiring, you know, at the minute. They are. Unfortunately, I can't do video editing. 
I would be there in a second. I can't do it. I, I would love to be able to say I could, but I can't. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a fun company. But one of the things they did was they released um, six Steelbook limited edition Blu-rays of, as part of their five-year anniversary of previously released Arrow Blu-rays. So you could get uh, Phenomena, Tenebrae, Bloody Sunday, I think was one. Blood and Black Lace, maybe. Uh, Maniac. Maniac Cop. Maniac Cop was the main one. The reason we mentioned Maniac Cop is because both myself and Andy have the collector's edition of Maniac Cop. Yeah. We both own it. And we're quite happy with it, yes? It's great. Um, Actually, do you know what? It's not actually got that many special features on. but It really doesn't. Um, The film's still worth having. It's a great film. It's fucking amazing. Um, So, yeah, so we both own that. They posted on their their Facebook page when they were releasing the steelbooks, um, these six special steelbooks, that one of them would contain a golden ticket. And if you found this golden ticket in one of their random titles, that the winner would get the entire back catalogue of Arrow Films I believe, I don't think it was just Arrow Video I think it was Arrow Films really? for, Yeah, for yeah. the entire 2014 while stocks were available so for example no, it, was, it, was, it was the entire back catalogue and 2014 was it? it was everything they've ever released Ah, oh, right, except the ones that were out of print. So, for example, yeah, you, wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't get Dawn of the Dead because that's out of print. Yeah, yeah. So but literally based... every release they've ever released up until December 2014 was what you were going to get as the prize. Which is a, the, like the best prize ever. Um, and no one had claimed it. Um, and that, that competition had ran for about six months and no one had claimed it. So um, they posted on their Facebook page the actual pictures of when it went into the box. And it's in a Maniac cop steelbook blu-ray and me and andy obviously both own the other version of it and so we made a pact we were both going to buy the steelbook blu-ray and um if one or the other got it we would help each other out with titles that we didn't have yeah because we're like that so we both like a couple of insane mad uh compulsive <laughs> pu- yeah, purchasers went out there and bought one each and um did you win nope i didn't win and i have a small confession to make on the show andy I didn't just buy one, I bought two. Did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I didn't I didn't win in either. <laughs> so oh, um, do you know what though? A lot of people buy steel books and leave them in their cellophane. Yeah. So that could very well be sitting on someone's shelf and will yeah, never but, get claimed. Yeah, there's a lot there was a lot of people posting because it's a spe- specifically a collector's edition. It's limited edition, it's collectors, some people just don't open them. So there's a chance that it may never be found. And Andy, I've I've resolved in myself that I even if I sold both my copies on, which I'm not doing, um I am not buying another one. I'm yeah, I was gonna it. um I've I've got my one on eBay for for about seven quid and if I sell it I will just get another one. <laughs> I'm not going to buy another one until I've sold the first one. But if if I do sell it, then I will buy another, and hopefully I'll. Um, when I was singing the golden ticket song to myself for about three days, yeah, that's worth eight pounds just for the excitement it generated. I was, yeah. I, I genuinely thought I was going to win. I thought, I've got this. I've got this. I, I kind of thought so as well. The fact that, like I say, there was two on its way, I, I genuinely thought I had it in the bag. But no. Yeah. Nah. So, so unfortunately we're closing out this podcast on a sad depressing note that both myself and Andy have problems uh, we acknowledge we have problems there is no support group for our problems and um, I, I imagine if you've been listening to this podcast you're probably a collector of uh, Blu-rays as well and if you I are I know that the postman like is really annoyed at you my postman probably delivers like sometimes four or five Blu-rays in one delivery <laughs> on occasion and he must just get really pissed off 
because like sometimes if it's like a double he, he bangs on my door so fucking hard at like 7 o'clock Saturday morning just to wake me up and I'm sure it's just because he's annoyed because <laughs> I do buy a lot of stuff and I bet you get even more because you get all your screeners and stuff don't you uh, yeah yeah the, the good thing is the screeners aren't the full box or they're just small packs, oh, yeah, of course. So, and not not as bad but uh, yeah so um, on that note <laughs> um, well, it started off quite serious we're ending quite serious this has been <laughs> Doing the Nasty Podcast, episode number three. Mr. Blockley, would you like to say goodbye to our listeners? Just one more quick thing. Oh, um, right. Just wanted to say hello to Andy Clark and Brendan Wimsett who have joined our page. Hello. Apparently these these guys are going to watch all the movies along with us. You strange, strange folk. Do not watch. <laughs> don't do, do it to yourselves. Watch <laughs> Blood Rights is an awful fucking movie. Yeah. Don't don't watch it. Even if curiosity is peaked, don't do it. We're telling you, there is no fun to be enjoyed from watching no. that movie. I mean, I was worried that I was being too negative on the page because I was going, oh, for fuck's sake, like this movie shit. But I thought we've kind of done it justice tonight because there's two films that we kind of enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's great that people are kind of watching these films because um, there was a little bit of a debate. Do you watch? Do they listen to the podcast first and then watch the films, or do they watch the films first and then listen to the podcast? Yeah. And I said, if you listen to the podcast, lads, you won't want to watch the films. So. Yeah, I mean, we, like we said before, we will continue where we can find the movies before the shows, like a good couple of days before we record the show. So over a week before the show drops, I will post them on the Facebook page, links to go and see the movies if we can find them. It's up to you if you want to watch them before we do the show. That's cool. But if you've seen any of them or you've listened to the review, you want to add anything at all, please drop it on our Facebook page. If you're not there already, go to Facebook. Facebook, type in the top search bar doing the nasty podcast come across to the closed group and let's get nasty yeah so uh, Andy would you like to say goodbye to our listeners please goodbye listeners and uh, take care of yourselves out there remember you can check out myself and Andy on the other shows we do uh, to listen to more of me yeah, you can check me out the podcast under the stairs I'm on iTunes and part of the Legion podcast network Andy co-hosts the Big Horror and Little podcast which we will be back strong <laughs> after our holiday we've got some good ideas coming up so we're going to be back out hopefully putting out a regular episode I that. cannot wait it's been far too long since we, we heard the, 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 the husband and wife combo dealing out awesome reviews and the way that uh, only the, the Blockley Shipley con- contingent can um, <laughs> so you can check out his shows exclusively on Legion um, and uh, until the next time Andy enjoy your holiday sir Cheers, buddy. Uh, And uh, we'll speak to you later. Bye. Bye. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Um, This is the particularly special part of the list because these are the ones that people got prosecuted for. So, um, once again, how anyone could get prosecuted for distributing a copy of Axe blows my mind. You know what I mean? Literally facing jail time. I mean, this is no joke. I think we need to kind of 
just reinforce to our kind of American listeners that obviously wouldn't have known about this in you know in the 80s people were literally being sent to prison and it was yeah. normal guys you know say literally the guy around the corner that owns the local shop that sells all you can you know just like a convenience store you had a little yeah. row of um, a little row of videos there was a guy that got six months in prison you know this is a family man who's found he was taken from his family put in prison and his fucking life basically ruined just because he rented a video to someone criminal should. record permanent criminal record and that's never coming off your record it's going to be to your life and yeah I mean it, it is insane especially for something like Axe because when you watch it it's not even it doesn't even come close <laughs> to being uh-huh. you know a, 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 a frightening or grotesque or you know like disturbing it's, just, it's none of those things yeah. Um, so yeah I totally agree with you Duncan it's uh, it's kind of crazy that that even made the list yeah I just once again it just blows my mind but um, yeah I, I, I hope I hope you've all enjoyed um, getting to, to listen to some movie reviews. But we are going to, like I say, be working through the list alphabetically, which means that in the next episode we're going to be talking about The Beast in Heat, which mm-hmm. is also known as SS Help Camp, yeah. uh, which I can't wait. Uh, I'm really looking doing... forward to that one. I watched the trailer yeah. tonight. Oh fuck yeah! I just saw the trailer a while ago. And it looks it looks fucking it looks like my sort of thing. Uh, we're going to be doing Bloodbath. Which um, is is also known as Twitch of the Death Nerve, and famously a Bay of Blood, which I can't fucking wait. That is one that I know very well. Um, so I'm looking forward to that one. Um, although when reading this here, I think this might be the oldest film on the 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 list. Actually, I think this came out in '72. Yeah. Which once again blows my mind. So I don't understand how. Texas Chainsaw Massacre got through. I'm happy. You know what? We were talking about this, and I'm not sure if it's because it's big picture houses, perhaps. Maybe. Maybe. You know, have got a bit of clout and kept them off the list because stuff like Friday the 13th didn't make it on there, Texas Chainsaw, all stuff that had kind of big picture house in America behind it. Possibly, yeah. Skipped off the list, and it was kind of the Italian stuff and the indie stuff. That made yeah. it on essay. I mean, that that could be why. I'm not sure, but I think there might have been a bit of backhand kind of uh, cash swapping going on for that. Uh, it wouldn't. It would not surprise me. It's more difficult to take down a large studio or take them to court than it is to take fucking that did that did axe. Um, so yeah. yeah. So we're like we're going to be doing SS Hell Camp, which is the beast in the heat. We're going to be doing Bloodbath or Bay of Blood, and uh, our final review next week. Well, in a fortnight, in two weeks' time, it uh, will be Blood <laughs> Blood Feast. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that Andy I hope uh, you have enjoyed chatting some nasties as much as I have I have it's been good it's um, yeah it's interesting these movies because like I say I hadn't seen any of these three and I'd only heard of one of them so it's a really good opportunity to kind of get to to go through them and like I say it's kind of weeding out the shit ones just so you guys at home don't have to bother watching them um, Yeah. and if we find a good one like I say like absurd it's, it's well worth the watch then uh, it will, will it'll come recommended Definitely, definitely. Um, once again, I'd like to thank uh, Jason Lloyd over at Horophilia for allowing us to exclusively 
um, put this podcast out on his network. Thanks, Jason, um, taking a blind leap of faith as well. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah just like, you know, like uh, I pitched the idea to him, and I think he, I think he's really interested as well because he's not seen a lot of movies on this list and knew all video nasties, but didn't know a lot of what we've talked about on the the show just now, like the background and all the rest. Yeah, I mean, um, try and obviously put a little bit of trivia and background into the into every uh, review that we do because it is interesting the history for me. It's um, you know. Yeah, I think in some cases it's more interesting than the movies we'll be watching. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, so um, we have a Facebook page, um, a, a group page that you can find by going to the search bar in Facebook and typing in "doing the nasty." Um, yeah, I'm aware that it has sexual connotations, but that's how my sense of humour works. And you're just gonna have to deal with it. Um, and I just want to stress that both myself and um, Andy are married men. Uh, we Not have ways. No, no, that's not fair. <laughs> stress that. Eh? Yeah, we're we're married to women. Um, so, not that there's anything wrong with not being, but uh, yeah, so doing the nasty, it's obviously. I, I, quite, I quite fancy George Eastman, to be honest. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, he's a, he's a looker. He's a looker. I, don't, I don't approve of his actions, but he's, he's, he's quite a bit of a looker. Yeah, if he's I'm a bit of a murdered man. by anyone, he, he can. Uh, George Eastman can, can murder me anytime. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think so as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. So, um, like I say, join our Facebook page and come across there. Share your stories about video nasties. Have you seen any from the infamous list? What are you looking forward to us tackling? I dare say many people will be, be interested in listening to us go through Cannibal Holocaust, a movie which I promised myself just like six months ago, I was never going to watch again. I'm not looking forward to it because I think in the spirit of, uh, of what we're doing, it's got to be the fully uncut version. So, yeah, I mean, it has I've to be the fully uncut. Recently tracked down the fully uncut version of I Spit on Your Grave, I got the American import because in Britain you still can't get the uncut version of that. Yeah. Um, the version you can find is the most uncut version but it still isn't uncut um, so yeah we've mm. got to watch the totally uncut version of Cannibal Holocaust and I'm not looking forward to it because it's yeah. grim yeah it's really fucking grim um, but yeah we'll, we'll be rattling through some of the most notorious films from that list as well as I dare say a lot of movies that one I've not seen that Andy's not seen that you might never have heard of before so really looking forward to getting through that and there's only one way you can hear that and that is to make sure that you're subscribed to the Horrorphilia podcast network and make sure that um, leave us some feedback on iTunes this is our first show there are kinks I dare say with have uh, We've not got a flawless show yet, but I guarantee me and Andy are going to give it our best all the way right through this list, right to the very end. Andy, would you like to say goodbye to our faithful listeners? Goodbye, faithful listeners. Thanks for listening. And uh, drop us a message as well on the Facebook page to let us know what you thought if you watch any of these films. Just give us a comment and see if you uh, agree with what we said about them. Yeah, and if, if you like the sound of our voice, the cut of our jib... Uh, it's also worth noting that both myself and Andy have separate horror podcasts where we talk about things out with the video nasty list. Andy's is Big Horror and Little Podcast. They are also on Facebook. They have a group page. Join his group page and you can listen to them exclusively through Legion Podcast Network. Uh, myself, I host the podcast Under the Stairs. We're on Facebook as well and you can also listen to us through Legion Podcast Network or check us out on iTunes. So, I mean, if if you're finishing up just now thinking, those guys sounded delightful, I want to get to know them a bit more. I want to <laughs> listen to more of their, their, their banter. We've got other stuff out there, more content. Go forth and consume. Um, until the next time, uh, this is Duncan McLeish from Tune the Nasty and uh, my co-host, Andy Blockley. 
Um, and we're saying bye, everyone. Goodbye. Ah. Yes. They were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.